Season 1 is over. We tackled Jason Voorhees, Pinhead, and Death himself. We have survived. A new year has come. Season 2 of Beauty and the Geast Podcast has begun. Everybody, uh, welcome back to the Beauty and the Geast Podcast, where we watch movies so you don't have to. Uh, we are uh, smack dab in the middle of the Halloween series. We watched Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers this week. Uh, when I say we, of course, I mean myself, Pat DeGeest, and my man, The Beauty. That'd be me. I am Scott The Beauty. And spoiler alert, neither one of us were real impressed with this one. Uh, Paul Rudd couldn't save it <laughs> with his immense talent this is uh this is weird to see paul rudd like i don't know i don't see a lot of paul rudd but usually he's funny this one he was kind of like just a a, a crazy terrible actor <laughs> right but here's the question though does he not look the same yes <laughs> almost 30 years later and he still looks the exact same he's aged well that's for sure this uh yeah this movie uh, came out in 95 I believe. Yes, 1995. And I'm trying to think when uh you know I can't think of when I first saw Paul Rudd or at least when he first came uh, became big but man he was he was pretty mediocre in Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers. Well, I think his one of his first main roles was you know talking about Paul Rudd here was in Clueless. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm looking him up now. But, yeah, that was the same year. And there Slightly was another before this one. Yeah, there was another movie that I that I remember seeing him in too, which was uh, called like Overnight Delivery or something like that. But that I think was after that. It would have been ninety, like ninety seven or something like that. It was him and I believe Christine Taylor and Reese Witherspoon were in that one. Oh, yeah, looking looking at his uh, filmography, Clueless was his first, uh, you know, kind of big name thing. Halloween was second. A lot of these other ones I just don't recognize. So this is, yeah, this is very early in his career. He was in a few no-name things I've not heard of before that. But he was just finding himself when he did Halloween. Uh, much like Michael Myers tried to find him this entire film. Let's, uh, I guess let's, let's dive into it. Uh, to get this one over with, yeah, might as well. Yeah, they uh, they they start this one off. Uh, there are some like uh, brief nightmare style flashbacks of uh, Halloween part five, I guess. You have uh, Jamie, who well, it's a different actress, but uh, still Jamie, she's uh, Jamie Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, she's giving birth. In like uh, what appears to be an underground cult layer, <laughs> so there's a, she's like tied to a gurney or whatever. There's candles and and stuff everywhere, pentagrams. Uh, she gives birth, like uh, shortly after she gives birth, some nurse. They just have a nurse there helps her escape. Um, she runs the hell out of there with her baby. Uh, Michael Myers, I guess, just living in the cult headquarters. 
they're not real clear about what's going on there. I guess he doesn't, I don't know, doesn't want to kill them when they're living together in a cult, but generally his only mission is to kill his family members. You don't tell Michael Myers that he can't stay there for free. Yeah. (laughs) He'll end up dead. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess... They they had they had a weird uh, barely any history between this film and the last one, but uh, like it's uh, allegedly six years since the last movie, and all they say is uh, Michael Myers and Jamie Lloyd just vanished since then, and uh, now they turn up. It's it's it begins Halloween Eve six years after the last movie. Uh, Jamie escapes with her baby, um, like steals a truck from a homeless man who is uh, immediately killed <laughs> by Michael Myers. Well, she made him homeless because he could have at least lived in the truck. Yeah. Yeah, he was <laughs> just like fishing out. In the, it is raining. It is a thunderstorm. Surprise, surprise. This one. Yeah. He's just out there in the storm. She steals his truck. Uh, she's half nice enough to co- try to warn him, like, hey, look to your left. Uh, Michael Myers is there and he's going to kill you. And homeless guy's just like, what? That's my truck. And uh, Michael Myers comes in and like uh, half rips his head off, basically. Yeah, does not treat him very friendly. No. Jamie uh, takes this truck to the local train station, tries to call the police. Uh, I guess due to the storm, you can't call the police at that moment. She can call the local radio station, though, which is an interesting choice. (laughs) Well, this is all the, yeah, well, knowing that it's the night before Halloween and uh, all of the emergency circuits are busy due to the storm, um, there wasn't any available capacity for her to call the, uh, to call 911. So she had also on the way there been listening to the local talk radio talking about the legends of the Haddonfield, you know, legends of Haddonfield and uh, the legends of Michael Myers. So that's why she calls the local radio station uh, and starts to say that Michael Myers is, you know, he's he's coming and she needs help and asks ba- for Dr. Loomis. Which, yeah. uh, as he is, uh, they, well, they, they cut to that in the next scene, I think, because the next scene is uh, you hear just somebody banging away on a typewriter and uh, the doctor comes in uh, it's, I believe it's one of the it's one of the psychologists from what was it Springfield Hills or whatever. Yeah, he to work at Doctor. He's trying. He, yeah, he's trying. He's trying to to get Doctor Loomis to come back, and he says he's too busy writing the manuscript of his book, and he's he's re, he's fully retired, and they're discussing. Uh, the work there when they hear the phone call from Jamie come in over the talk radio. Yeah, she basically gets on the talk radio and just like, Loomis, help, Michael's back, he's coming to kill me. And uh, luckily, this is the most popular radio station in town and everybody listens to it. (laughs) Well, I'm guessing... (laughs) They they don't really say much about it, but I I'm assuming that it's the only radio station in town because Haddonfield does not seem like a big town, but it's big enough to have its own radio station and junior college and you know, so 
at the same time, you know, as much as it doesn't seem like it's a big town, it seems a lot bigger than what they really let on with it. Yeah. I am. Uh, I was just mostly surprised how popular radio was, even with the youngsters. Although the guy was kind of trying to be like a ripoff uh, Howard Stern or something. Well, but I mean, this was also 1995. Sure. But <laughs> I don't so, remember you and I ever being in a ra- excited about local radio. <laughs> well, that's because we didn't have anything in 1995 that was worth listening to. Sure. You know, I mean, there there were many nights, uh, I guess, during the during the summers and stuff like that, where we would stay, you know, stay up either at Doran's or Brian's and and listen to Love Line with Adam Carolla and Doctor Drew, <laughs> which that was, was a good show, a national you know radio call-in show for, uh, I guess, the uh, dating advice. So, I mean. Well, we weren't like into in you know into it into it into radio stuff like that, but you know we still made time. You know there were still times where we did listen to it. Oh yeah, they they, they treated this dude like he was the biggest celebrity in Haddonfield. Well, he, well, which he, again, he probably was. Ah, uh, so yeah, yeah. So uh, luckily, everybody's listening. Loomis hears Jamie's cry for help on the radio, and he's uh, he's back in action. Which is he's old man. Yeah. He's, uh, oh, he's aged in this one. Well, yeah. I mean, this was. I mean, what what are we talking? You know, I mean, he was already he was already aged. You know, even really in the first one, but when you're talking. You know, we get 95 for this one, and so the other one was in the 80s. So, I mean, if it's been six years, you know, he was he was already old. Yeah. Yeah, 89 to 95. So, I mean, he was, he was already old. And uh, what is it? 1919. So when they filmed Halloween 5... He was 80 years old or when Halloween 5 came out. Even though he's determined, he's not, uh, he wouldn't be my first pick as a savior to battle Michael Myers. He's, uh, he's, he's never been very effective at it. <laughs> and now he's, now he can barely walk. <laughs> well, but I mean, he has been more effective than uh, most other people, though. Because, I mean, He's the one character that has been in all six movies so far. <laughs> I feel like uh, our crew from back in the day could have done a better job at like <laughs> setting traps or uh, <laughs> hunting down Michael Myers. Well, that 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 may be, but uh, you know, the, compared to the other people in the movies, I mean, there was. You know, well-armed po- police twice that got run through by Michael Myers. So I mean, we can't can't say too much about it. <laughs> He's got survivability. We'll give him that much. Yeah. Well, yeah. Luckily, he's listening to the radio. Paul Rudd is also listening to the radio. I'm going to refer to him as Paul Rudd because that puts a mental image in people's minds. 
Paul Rudd's like obsessed with Michael Myers lore. He is uh he turned out to be what was his real name? Danny Boyle in this? Tom, Tommy Doyle. So he was the <laughs> he was the kid in the first that that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was babysitting in the first movie. Yeah. So he's been kind of a a little bit traumatized and obsessed with Michael Myers ever since. He's familiar with the lore. Yep. So he lives across the street from the old Myers house in, uh, it's like a boarding home. I forget exactly what it's like a weird, he's got like a, a, a school marm. Yeah. They called it. Yeah. They said it was, yes. They said it was a boarding home. So he's, I believe he's an attendee at the junior college of Haddonfield, whatever they want to call it. I just called it the junior college of Haddonfield because there was nothing. I think they referred to it as Haddonfield junior college in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But his, uh, his passion is not really college. It's uh, Michael Myers lore. He heard, uh, he heard Jamie on the radio. He knows that tomorrow's Halloween. And of course he suspects Mike will be back. Uh, Yeah. It's it yeah it his two passions are spying on Kara from across the street and and Michael Myers, yes, because <laughs> he is uh, peering through her window watching her change with his telescope for research he, purposes. He do, he does have a, a a pretty good reason and tells her about it later. So while he seems creepy at first, um, I think the actual like seeing her changing her clothes was just accidental yeah and he uh I, and of course he does turn out to be right as because as as jamie is on the run uh takes her truck to like the local train station michael myers is not far behind um they play a, a bit of a game of hide and seek there uh jamie eventually uh, sneaks out of the train station or maybe it's a bus station some mass transit station she gets back in the truck uh goes on the run again gets uh, driven off the road at a, a farmhouse out in the middle of the country tries to hide in the barn unfortunately mike myers hears her picks her up tosses her onto a pitchfork and as she's dying, she's just like, you'll never get the baby. And uh, Mike goes to check the truck, but the uh, the baby's missing. The newest family member's missing. She swapped the baby for some teepee. Yep. Did the old uh, disappearing pig trick from Willow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, used teepee and a, and a cloth, a blanket instead. So... Where's the baby? We'll find out because they cut to next morning. It's Halloween in Haddonfield. Everybody's excited as usual. We see the uh, the uh, the abusive Strode family. Papa Strode, yeah, is a bit of an asshole. <laughs> like, like they're having breakfast. Kara, uh, his daughter Kara, who Paul Rudd is spying on, like. Uh, Man, he just treats her like shit. <laughs> like he calls her kid a bastard. Like, why'd you, you know, telling her, why'd you even come here with your bastard kid? Is yelling at his wife for like giving their daughter money. And then uh, she stands up for him herself. So he gets up and just backhands her across the face. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then her uh, bastard son, Danny, pulls a knife on dear old, I guess, Danny's grandfather. And uh, they kind of slowly back out of that situation. 
And that's just breakfast. That's just breakfast at the Strode house. Because, like, Kara goes outside, you know, her friend's like, hey, why is your face bleeding? She's like, oh, you know, his dad. Good old Mr. Strode having yeah. some morning morning fisticuffs with his coffee. Yep, good, just breakfast with dad, you know how it goes. So that's, <laughs> I guess that's just her life. Um, so, uh, the, in the meantime, uh, Paul Rudd goes, uh, out investigating. He's, he's, he's pretty good investigator here. He immediately knows, uh, like the bus station is probably where Michael Myers is going to show up, which, uh, obviously they don't clean the bus, uh, the bus terminal very often because there's still blood from the night before from Jamie, like in the sinks and stuff. Uh, he also finds the baby. Just like hidden in a cupboard. So like nobody had checked, uh, nobody had cleaned the blood, and nobody had heard a baby for hours and hours. Well, there was there was nobody in the bus station when she went there. Yeah, it was pretty empty. But you'd at least think they have a janitor would come through there and find a baby or find the blood. But uh, now this is a this is a pretty uh, poorly run bus terminal. Yep, so now he is searching for assistance to take care of the baby. And uh, he runs in, he goes to the hospital and, and is asking for help, you know, to take care of the baby. The nurse is kind of like, well, where'd you get that baby from? You know, <laughs> and he, he's just like, give me some goddamn help for my baby. And she's like, oh, I'll, okay, I'll guess I'll get security. So Paul Rudd walks away. Runs into Dr. Loomis, and they have a little talk about, uh, I guess, what had happened previously, because he did not say that the baby was Jamie's, but he did. they did mention, Dr. Loomis did mention that Jamie had been found, uh, the body of Jamie had been found right when um, they were ending their conversation because security was coming up, and... Uh, they're like, oh, you know, we found the body of Jamie, but we don't, we did not find the baby. And Doctor Loomis, Doctor Loomis says, oh, I think I know where the baby is. And of course, they got, you know, they show Paul Rudd walking out the door. Yep, with it. <laughs> and they, uh, they, they also know each other. Like, I guess uh, Paul Rudd, being a Mike Myers historian, is is very familiar with well with he, Loomis. He, well, yeah, they were at the end of the first movie, so he recognized Loomis still, and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and said, you know, hey, you know, I was, you know, because Loomis kind of recognized him, but then he once he reintroduced himself, he's like, yeah, I was being, but you know, uh, Tommy Doyle, I was being babysat by Jamie Lee Curtis at the end of the first movie. And you told me to run away and. Get help, or, or no, you ran right, you ran right by me without getting any help, without stopping to ask for help. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, he wants to meet up later with Loomis, but uh, right now he's got to, I guess, run before the cops get there. So he takes the baby to his halfway house and uh, wherever. <laughs> he also names the baby Stephen, little baby Stephen, which, which is uh, his name in the movie that they list him as is Paul Stephen Rudd. Which is probably where it came from. Oh, sure. <laughs> and uh, 
uh, about this time, Loomis goes to to the Strode house where they're living. They're, most of them are unknowingly living in Michael Myers' old house. Uh, Dad knows, Dad Strode knows, but uh, didn't want to tell him. I guess he chose to live there because his brother couldn't sell the place. Nobody wanted to live in the old Myers place. And they've lived there apparently all this time without anyone telling them, like, hey, that's the murderer's house. Six years, yeah. Nobody <laughs> nobody bothered to tell him. Yeah, you'd think somebody would have mentioned it. But, uh, yeah, uh, Loomis warns uh, Deborah, I think, is the mom's name. Yep. That they should, not, they should not stay there tonight as it is Halloween, and uh, he's pretty sure Michael Myers is coming. But, uh, of course, uh, the husband is an asshole. He's a drunk asshole. Yep, and doesn't believe, nobody believes anything. Again, nobody believes Loomis. Yep. So, yeah, she calls him at work. He's like, whatever, you know, we're not doing anything, blah, 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 blah. She gets off the phone to her husband. Uh, then gets a phone call from, like, uh, the cult people saying, we want the baby. We want the baby. She starts freaking out, uh, like, running through the house, maybe uh, having delusional visions of Michael Myers uh, throughout the house. Um runs outside to the laundry and gets uh, an axe to the face. Well, you don't see where she gets the axe, but you see him swing the axe and just blood splatters on her, on her white sheets. So, yeah, you assume that it's to the face, neck and chest area. Yeah. Um, not long after that, Kara comes home, looks around, can't find, can't find mom. Um, does find her son hanging out with Paul Rudd, though, which is a little creepy. <laughs> well, he, he, uh, so uh, they did show Danny walking home and, and he had like a little kind of vision of Mike Myers and dropped his pumpkin and smashed it. And then that's when Paul Rudd walked up to him. And then, yeah, then they go to, to Kara who comes home and she can't find any of them. And she finds him across, or no, she, she found him upstairs watch, watching TV with, with Paul Rudd. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, like, with Paul Rudd and the baby and, and Danny, and she's yelling at him about, you know, talking to strangers. And he's like, oh, this is, this is Danny, you know, this is Tommy, my new friend. And he's like, hey, we got to go across the street because uh, you can't be here tonight. And, yeah. Uh, so they go over to his place. They're sitting there talking um, about, you know, the kind of the history of stuff. And Danny looks out the window and sees Michael Myers standing in the in the yard. And at that point, he goes downstairs, which uh, doesn't tell anybody where he's going. So Kara <laughs> freaks out and starts, you know, frantically looking for him. Finds him downstairs watching TV with Mrs. Blankenship. Yeah, the old... Uh boarding house keeper lady the landlord of the boarding house paul rudd had a weird scene here too which i don't know if this is if fans ever adopted this lore but something about like celtic ruin celtic runes and druids and there's a symbol the thorn symbol that keeps popping up which is like <laughs> michael myers symbol and he's figured out like there's cultists who worship him and they i guess want to sacrifice the baby 
to uh to michael myers to I, I don't know i don't even get this part unleash evil or something it was no it was it was to make the evil go away so they were they're saying that uh the the druidic times whole families would be sacrificed for uh protection from the evil for everybody else and this baby okay. was the last sacrifice needed for protection against michael myers but he also um as we've seen in previous uh movies and everything he has that tattooed on his wrist yeah it uh they uh they really dove into the cult lore on this one definitely yeah we definitely went more into cult lore with this yeah and uh uh, Paul Rudd just feels like he's he's the one who's got to stop it, you know. He's going to yep. take it upon himself. Him and Loomis, buddy comedy, buddy cops. They're gonna they're gonna stop this thing. Buddy vigilantes. Yep. Meanwhile, uh, what else is going? Oh, this is about is this this is about when they go to the party, right? Radio guys party. <laughs> yep. Yep. Paul Rudd goes to the radio guys party while. Kara and Danny do whatever. They really didn't say what they were doing at this point. Barry Sims is the uh, the famous radio guy of Haddonfield. There's a Halloween party. Barry Sims is the local radio guy. Um, he's there in person. He's interviewing Kara's friends about you know Halloween and the Michael Myers legends, but he's like trying to be a shock jock. So he's just saying like. I bet you wear crotchless panties and bark like a dog. Well, it's it's her brother Tim and and his girlfriend Beth that he's yeah, that's with. what it is. Tim but yes, you did did mention crotchless panties and barking like a dog. Yep. And then uh, uh, Barry thinks it's kind of a shit assignment to go interview these people on Halloween. He wants to go to the old Myers house, so. Um, uh, he hops in his van to go over there because he thinks that's a better story and uh, immediately gets stabbed by Michael Myers, who was waiting for him in the van. Uh, Beth and Tim go to meet him there. They're going to like continue the interview there. Uh, they go to the house. Uh, Barry Sims has not shown up yet, so they decide to have sex. Yeah, we got a few minutes before the radio guy shows up. Yeah. He'll walk in and see you barking like a dog. Right, right. We're about to have an interview. Let's bone. But they uh, they do have time. They have time to finish. Um, they even like, hey, boyfriend Tim is like, I better take a, a post-sex shower. <laughs> better wash the stink off of you. Yes. Uh, but uh, as he's in there... Um, Asks for, a, is it a towel? Asks for a towel. Michael yep. Myers hands him the towel and then slits his throat. And again, you see the, as he as he hands him the towel, as he's grabbing it, you see the tattoo on the wrist. Yeah. The That's thorn you know symbol. Myers. The thorn symbol. And um, Kara is still across the street. She sees the lights on and calls over there and talks to Beth. And she's watching through uh, Paul Rudd's telescope as Beth gets killed. Yeah. Yep. So she sees Beth get murdered. Um, yeah. Her son Danny has disappeared. 
ends up going over to the uh, the Myers house. So uh, Kara chases after him. Uh, she goes into the old Myers house, finds Beth and Tim's dead bodies in bed. Uh, quickly after that, finds Danny. <laughs> Immediately after that, Michael Myers finds them, and uh, the the chase is on. Well, it's not much of a chase. She did. She did also find her mother. Oh yeah. Yep. And the mother. And I know the dad was in there somewhere too, because he found the bloody sheet in the washer, and he gets killed as well. Oh yeah, yeah, right. He gets uh like stabbed and then tossed into uh you know an electrical box or something. So stabbed and then electrocuted immediately after. Yeah, at this point, Kara, Kara, and Danny are kind of on the run from uh, from Michael Myers. He goes down for a moment. This we can all see this see this uh, coming. He goes down. I think she clubs him with like a, a fireplace poker. She she did arm herself with a fireplace poker. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think she hit him with it. Of course, he he he. Falls to the ground, and rather than getting past him, she stands over him for a minute, looking at him, trying to wonder <laughs> what's going on, which gives him time to wake up and grab her ankle. So she has to fight to try to get away from him again. Yeah, which, they do. Which she does. Yeah, they do the old, let's tiptoe past him and just stare at him. And then, of course, he, he wakes up and grabs her. But yeah, they uh, she clubs him again with the, the fireplace poker, and uh, they... They get the hell out of there. They run across the street back to uh, back to where Loomis and Paula Rudd are hanging out. Um, but the baby's missing. They can't find the baby. They go downstairs. They find uh, there are cultists in the house. And let's see. There are cultists in the house. Um, uh, <laughs> what's the old lady's name? Mrs. Blankenship? Yeah, Mrs. Blankenship is one of them. <laughs> the old doctor guy is one of them. Kara uh, jumps out the window, falls, and knocks herself out trying to escape. Uh, Rudd, Paul Rudd and Loomis get drugged and just left in the yard, which is <laughs> kind of a weird moment. They, they, they capture them, drug them, leave them in the yard, uh, Kara is unconscious in the yard after jumping out the window. They grab her, take her to like the cult's headquarters, which I guess is all part of Doctor Wynn's uh, evil cult plan. Because once they get to the headquarters, they apparently just wait for Paul Rudd and Doctor Loomis to wake up, and then come to the cult headquarters. They leave him a note, <laughs> which we is took, I don't know. We took everyone to the cult headquarters. Yeah, basically, like, I don't know, I don't know what they're thinking here. Like, it's a stupid plan. Either just bring them with you and tie them up or kill them. Because, you know, what they should have done is go to the cops. But, you know, this is a movie. You don't do that in these movies. You just go to the cult headquarters alone. Um, they They capture Loomis again. But Paul Rudd is kind of free to just wander around. He bumps into some crazy people. Uh, he also finds or hears Kara like locked in a room. He busts the door down with a uh, fire extinguisher, right? As Michael <laughs> Myers makes his appearance. Uh, they're on the run again. 
they uh I guess it's an old jail or something because they've got some like barred doors that they lock shut right before Mike gets there. He grabs Kara through the doors, but uh, there are just some guns on the wall. So so Paul Rudd grabs one and uh, and blasts Michael Myers at short range, which, uh, again, knocks him to the ground, but of course does not kill him, but does give them time to escape. Um, they eventually find... Uh, they eventually find... Danny and the baby. Baby Steven, yes. Um, of course, Mike Myers is still looking for them, so they're kind of walking around trying to be all stealthy and, and you know, hiding. Another game of hide-and-seek. Uh, Michael yeah. Myers also starts killing people, like random nurses and doctors. The cultists. Yeah, starts killing the cultists. And I do remember eventually too that uh, he they they're pretty well cornered, and Danny and the baby and and Kara are hiding, and Paul Rudd offers to give him the baby, baby Stephen, but he's got four syringes full of some sort of sedative in there that he injects him with. So then Michael Myers is now even more of a slow, steady machine than than usual. Yep, again, gets him with the old uh, trick baby. The old fake baby again. He's so gullible about the fake baby trick. <laughs> Probably fall for the hidden ball trick in baseball, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, uh, so let's see. Yeah, they... Uh, uh, that pisses Michael Myers off. He does the old, you can't kill the main guy, so he does the old, uh, picks Paul Rudd up, just throws him across the room. He gets, like, hits the wall and kind of uh, out for the count briefly. Uh, Kara starts wailing on Michael Myers with a pipe. He grabs her by the throat, also starts choking her out, but doesn't kill her, just kind of uh, chokes her till she's barely conscious. Well, he yeah, he was going to kill her, but then Danny started yelling at him. Yeah, Danny grabbed the baby and is like yelling, Michael, Michael. He, uh, Mike starts chasing after Danny with the baby. Paul Rudd is back up at this point, wailing on Michael Myers with a pipe. Oh, um, you can't you can't kill Ant-Man. No. Well, he wails on him, go to the pipe, and I guess the drugs kick in at this point. Michael Myers uh, goes down. Your uh, heroes get in a truck and are about to leave, and they just say, hey, Loomis, come with us. And he's like, no. I got uh, unfinished business or something like that. And he stays behind and <laughs> roll credits. <laughs> it's a weird ending. They, well, they did They did show when he said, you know, oh, I have I have some unfinished business. They did hear, you did hear him uh, as they're leaving, like go in and, and you know, he kind of starts screaming like he's being killed by Michael Myers. Yeah. Because... As as we said at this point, this was the last one that he's in because uh, at right after the filming of this, he unfortunately passed away at the age of, uh, well, he was old. Yeah, they had a little uh, nice, you know, in memory of uh, Donald Pleasance thing as they uh, as they began the credits. And uh, like we said, neither one of us enjoyed this film much. And it was just so... It felt so scatterbrained, not a clear goal or uh, direction of where they wanted to go. 
Um, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't really like the cult angle myself. No, I didn't. Uh, it was really tough to kind of follow this entire movie. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even. I don't even no. have a lot of specific nitpicks because there it, there wasn't a lot of specific things happening. It was just, I don't know, just kind of dumb. I thought this one was kind of dumb. Yeah, this one didn't make any real lot of sense at all in, in as far as the series goes. So, so good riddance to uh, Halloween Six: The Curse hey. of Michael Myers. Yep, now for the next one we got H2O, Halloween 20 Years Later. Oh, man. With uh, the return of Jamie Lee Curtis to the series. Uh, as long, as well as, so like I said, we're going to have quite a few names that we will recognize. So Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis, Josh Hartnett, Jody Lynn O'Keefe, LL Cool J, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of people in here. Michelle Williams, Adam Arkin. So, there's a lot of names in here that are uh, pretty well known. So, Hell yeah, LL Cool J. Yep. Ladies love Cool James. Yeah, and looking at this, uh, it came out in 98. So, three three years after the, uh, the one we just watched. Um, that one got a... A part six got a 4.7 on IMDb, which seems way too high. Uh, H2O gets a 5.8. So uh, the fans, I mean, that's that's solid for what horror movies tend to get. The fans probably enjoyed this one. Halloween 6, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes. Halloween 6 was uh, 9% on the critics score and 37% on the audience score. Okay. Uh, H2O is at 53% critic score, 49% audience score. So. Well, and here's the uh, IMDb description. Laurie Strode, now the dean of a Northern California private school with an assumed name, must battle the shape one last time as the life of her own son hangs in the balance. Yep. Uh... Rotten Tomatoes, two decades after surviving a massacre on October 31st, 1978, former babysitter Laurie Strode finds herself hunted by persistent knife wielder Michael Myers. Laurie now lives in Northern California under an assumed name where she works as the headmistress of a private school, but it's not far enough to escape Myers, who soon discovers her whereabouts. As Halloween descends upon Laurie's peaceful community, a feeling of dread weighs upon her with good reason. Huh. It'll be interesting to have her back, I guess. For sure. It'll be a good good fun time. But I think that's gonna yeah, bail out of our movie reviews here. <laughs> uh so what's you got going on overall? Um, let's see. In comedy news, this will come out uh when? Saturday? Yep. This will come out on the 18th. So, yeah. So, tonight, then, when this is released, I'll be uh, doing a show in Brainerd, Minnesota. That should be fun. 
And uh, coming up, I'll have a uh, a bunch of shows in North Minnesota. Um, on the yeah, 18th, Yesterday's Gone in Brainerd. On February 23rd, Wusos in Duluth. 24th is uh, Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 25th, Roseau, Minnesota. 26th, Bemidji. So I'm going to have a busy weekend that weekend. Man, yeah, no kidding. So you got 24, 25th, 26th, 23rd, 24th, 25th, 26th. Yeah, four days in four a row. row. All right. How about you? Anything uh, fun going on? I'm on vacation for the entire week, but uh, no, I don't really have anything, uh, nothing, nothing planned for it. So, just uh, hanging out at home, probably getting a little bit of an early start on some spring cleaning. Get rid of some a bunch of extra garbage that I don't need, and uh, it's really about it. Sure. Try to finish up my actual. Uh, the the magic deck that I started on a couple of uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago, I just got to get some trying to trying to order matching basic lands for for that. So I ordered a bunch of cards that came in. Now I ordered a bunch more stuff that is on its way in again. That should be coming in sometime. I guess probably later on this week. There should be more stuff coming in. And I think I had a third order even after that that should be rolling in uh, from different sellers on TCG Player that should be coming in sometime uh, either late this week or early next week. So, Okay, sweet. I, uh, <laughs> I put up my whole wish list out on uh, uh, to our group chat and the gang we play Magic with, and everybody's like, yeah, I've got all those cards, so I'm going to probably acquire them somehow next time we get together. Yeah, I think I had just about everything on that list that you sent out. Yeah, luckily, uh, like I mentioned, I they're not the highest uh, rarity or price. They're all probably 50-cent rares or something. And uh, yeah. I've been playing, I've been playing a, I made a Toxic deck on MTG Arena. That's been doing pretty well. I've not made anything new on Arena lately. I still play in, I'm either playing, I'm like, I wait three days and just do the stupid challenges. And I just play with the decks I've already got or the pre-constructed decks that they give, that they give out. Sure. And I've been turning that gold into packs for stuff that I've already got so I can earn more wild cards. Yeah. So I'm almost, I'm like 98% complete on a couple of sets just by doing that so i'm trying oh, really? to finish out yep those sets and then i'll go back and fill in everything else as i work through and get acquire more wild cards i'll just fill out with what i want sure yeah i buy uh i bought a shitload of uh packs of uh phyrexia all will be one and it's been fun it's been fun playing with the toxic deck it's a green green white and it works pretty well Okay. So yeah, I'm playing mono red. The new deck that I built for Commander is mono red. So I already got made fun of a little bit for it. Interesting mono red Commander. Yep. 
we'll see how it runs. If it doesn't work, well, then I just build something else. Sure. But, uh, nope, I just got back into town today because uh, I was up, watched my nephew play hockey on Saturday, and then I stayed up in stayed in Mora watching the Super Bowl with my parents and then drove home this afternoon, this morning. So I've been home for a couple hours now, so now I don't have to go back to work till a week from tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't watch the Super Bowl. How was it? It was a good game. Uh, the refs decided that they were going to pretty much pick and choose who won the game, though. So that sucked about it. Yeah, I saw a bunch of the headlines. It was uh, a. <laughs> it, it it was a it was a. By by the letter of the rules, it was it was a holding call, but it wasn't enough. At the you know like, it wasn't super egregious by any means, and it, it completely decided the game. Interesting. So <laughs> well, yeah, because they were they were down they were in Kansas City was in field goal range, but uh, they called a they called a pretty questionable holding call against Philadelphia. Which gave, then gave them a first down, so that they could run the clock down to about twelve seconds to kick a field goal, and then Philadelphia had eight seconds to uh, work to try and to try and either tie the game or score a touchdown. And uh, the quarterback Jalen Hurts for Philadelphia threw the under through his receivers by a mile on a hail mary. Game over. Game over. Hmm. So it, it was it was an extremely uh you know like and, and the worst part was like yes he, the guy got held a little bit, but the ball was overthrown by like ten yards on on the play they called holding on. Sure. And and he did not hold the you know, he did not hold him up that much. Yeah, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> But I mean, Chiefs won. Uh, I guess I was listening to uh, I was listening to Howard Stern when I was on my way home from uh, from my parents' house this, today, and they were talking about it. And he has a couple people that work for him that are Eagles fans that live in the Philadelphia area, and they said that the city was. I mean, people were. Uh, I guess upset that that the Eagles lost and were um, <laughs> were they burning maybe, vehicles in the street or anything may, crazy like that? Maybe not treating the city fairly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they were acting like Eagles fans. Yeah, yeah. I hear they're some of the worst fans. <laughs> well, they have a jail in their stadium. Oh yeah, that, that they put people in. So I believe. Th- I think it might be the it might be the it might be the Eagles Stadium or it's either the Eagles Stadium or the Flyers Stadium that I heard about this too where they have a wrecking room where they just have a room with things in it that people can go in and break stuff when they get angry. <laughs> you know, I didn't really care about either team in this one, but uh I kind of wanted the Eagles to lose just cuz their fan base is insane. 
I think their fan base is the most. I mean, this is this this is typical of their fan base. Before the game, they were announcing the Walter Payton Man of the Year, uh, which is basically the guy who was voted to be like the most philanthropic uh, NFL player of the season. Sure. And it was Dak Prescott who plays for the Cowboys. So as he's <laughs> up there receiving like one of the most prestigious awards that you can win, Eagles fans are booing. Yeah. I mean, they also did boo Santa Claus. And in, in their in their state, you know, in in their stadium, they booed Santa Claus. So like that tells you what the 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 mindset of the Philadelphia fan base. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure now it's at a point where it's just like they take pride in being uh, assholes, so they're just like, "Oh, <laughs> philanthropy award for donating, you know, to good causes." But he's a Dallas Cowboy. Fuck him. <laughs> right. Exactly that. That's exactly what it was. Even when, I, like I said, when I was listening to to Howard Stern today, the the two Eagles. Well, the one Eagles fan wasn't so bad about it but the other one was like oh he plays for the cowboys he's a fucking douche you know it's just like you know and then and then he's like oh win a win a fucking championship then come back and talk to us and they're like well you guys that are there now haven't won you know like there's a couple guys out that are on the eagles team that have won the champion you know have won the super bowl but most of them haven't don't yeah. tell, you know don't complain that he hasn't won a super bowl the Cowboys have won more Super Bowls than the Eagles. Yeah, it's nuts, man. I can't imagine like rioting and a <laughs> burning parts of your city down because of anything to do with a sports game. Well, it would they would they would have it would have been worse had they won. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, what was it? A few years back, um, might have been when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, that was actually played here in Minneapolis. Um, it was either it's either after that or when they won the World Series, um, like as as part of the celebration, they showed a guy eating horse shit off of the street. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> they they grease the street, you know, the street posts and everything, so people don't climb on them. So, so yeah, Philadelphia fans, I, I, from what I understand, are. Uh, a little bit over the top. Yeah, it's like they're they're Christmas or something. They just can't they can't wait for a reason to to riot in the streets over a sporting event. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're rioting over a sporting event. That that's the biggest thing. Yeah, even if I mean uh, any of our teams will probably never win again. But like if they did, it, it'd just be like high-fiving the people next to me and be like, all right, well, that was awesome. It it was, yeah, it was after the Super Bowl win. <laughs> like, okay, like, if the Vikings won, I'd, I'd high-five you guys and be like, oh, sweet, let's, uh, now let's play some magic. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't imagine being so excited that the Vikings won the Super Bowl that I would eat horse shit. <laughs> I 
oh, like, what are you even thinking? You you probably just, it, again, it's that mentality. It's it's almost taking pride in, in going nuts for sports. And like, being, okay. Being yeah, what, the extreme. Yeah, what, how can we top, you know, climbing light poles or starting cars on fire? I'll eat this horse shit. That will... <laughs> That will get people's attention. I'm so happy my team won that I'm going to eat horse shit. <laughs> Whatever. To each their own. I mean, hey, Eagles fans. You got to find joy you. in the little things in life. Yep. Keep eating that horse shit. Yep. The rest of us will live on planet Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Now we get death threats from Eagles fans. They'll hear yeah. this. They'll hear this section and start sending us death threats. Yeah, uh, yeah. Send us, uh, send us your threats, Eagles fans. Your, uh, your fan base is atrocious. If you and if you're gonna do it, be creative. Don't say, "Oh, I'm gonna kill you," you know, and then start throwing off a bunch of swear words and in racial slurs and and homophobic slurs. Be creative. Yep. Because we will, if if you do that, send in an audio message. I believe uh, how to get a hold of us is on on the uh, the, uh, the is uh, is on the header page for our podcast here. Email them to us audio recordings only, and uh, you might make the intro to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we know you're creative, guys. Let's uh, let's hear some good good insults. Oh well, anything else you got going on? Nope, uh, just trying to get ready for a Chicago trip. Which I mean, I don't really have anything much left to do for that. A couple touch ups on some models. Uh, got some, gonna get in. I believe gonna get in some Stargrave this week for uh, my normal Wednesday night gaming stuff and then uh no i got spring you know like i said some spring cleaning some organization some purging getting rid of some stuff probably play some video games maybe throw up some videos on on youtube for stuff but no beyond that not really much going on this week it's good to have a down week I I needed it after dealing with some stupid people for the last couple of weeks at sure. work. So <laughs> it is well deserved, well needed, and I had to. It was it was getting down to the last month of use it or lose it for this vacation time too. So take it out, take it the week before a holiday, so I get an extra day. Yeah, man. Because next Monday is President's Day. I got the day off. So took the week off before that. So I'll go back on Tuesday and be fully motivated to do my job. Nice. Make some uh, MTG Arena decks. Yeah, I probably should. That means I got to actually think about stuff. Yeah, that's the worst part. <laughs> I mean, Commander decks, at least, you know, when I do that, I get to show you guys my creativeness. You know, you guys, the, nobody's going to see this. 
except for the people I play with. And for the, to them, I'm just a, you know, just a name and number. They don't actually get to witness the genius that goes into building this stuff. <laughs> Which is basically looking through cards that are a database of cards that are already created and be like, oh, this looks like it'll work together. Yeah. When I make MTG Arena decks, I just... He said, I buy a ton of uh, packs for whatever the latest set is. And I'd be like, then I see, okay, what uh, what cool rares or mythic rares did I get multiples of? Let's build something around that. That's usually how I, my brain processes it. Yeah, my stuff, mine is, mine is mostly the same way, but I don't buy packs. I just look at what I've got and be like, oh, this looks like it'll be fun to use. And then if I've got wild cards, I'll make... I'll use the wild cards to add stuff to it. And if I don't, then I'll play to get more wild cards and continue to add stuff to it. Sure. So, well, yes, yeah, we got... Uh, you want to do a top five list for next week? I mean, I, I I don't really have anything set. I don't know if you got anything set. Um, I haven't thought of anything. Okay. Uh, we, could, uh, we can think of something. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll 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 think of something and we'll take it offline because we don't want to sit here and just be like, uh, <laughs> uh. yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, this is Scott the Beauty signing off for the Beauty and Degeased podcast, where we watch movies so you don't have to. Five Oaks. <laughs>